Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on October 3rd, 2022. Welcome to Q4. This is going to be a busy one as a bunch of projects kick off for Rare Petro and other companies, and I'm helping a different company by writing an engineering program to be executed under a state contract. Unfortunately, the state was not able to provide much information, so there are a multitude of contingencies built in should we run into any problems, but fingers crossed it runs without any big snags. I'm staying busy, learning lots, but boy, I gotta say, I miss Colorado. I hear it's supposed to be getting a bit chillier and that the leaves are starting to turn. I missed fall last year, so hopefully I can catch the tail end of it this year. But you didn't come to listen to the personal diary entries of a young engineer with the pedal to the metal. You came to see a much broader picture regarding the world of energy and all the stories and statistics that come with that. Let's get to it. Commodity prices. How are they doing? Surprisingly, they're pretty good. WTI is up to about $83 this morning. This is especially surprising because this time last week, we were sitting at a barrel worth less than $77. On Wednesday, it popped right back up to $80 and really stayed there through the end of the week. This could be the new floor for energy. It lines up with the valleys that we've seen through 2021, and we could be headed way higher through this winter. Plenty of people have doubted, but Rare Petro maintains the predictions that prices will be higher this winter. Even Brent is doing better though perhaps not as good as WTI. That spread looks like it's closing just a bit to $5.50. The current Brent price is about $88.50. Natural gas continues to fall lower and lower. Last week, we spent a lot of time bouncing between $6.75 and $7. This morning, it fell off a cliff and has now dipped to $6.45. It is showing the tiniest of rebounds, though I am doubtful it will make up all of that ground that it lost, at least not so soon, especially with a lot of the news that's coming out. This could be the make it or break it point for commodities, so keep an eye out because the next month could be very telling of what is in hold for us through this winter. Next up is the rig count. After a month of red, we've done a couple of weeks of additional rig gains. This week is no different as we gain one more rig. Progress is slow, but we're still pushing in a right direction. The Marcellus is the biggest mover this week with three new rigs, while the Ardmer Woodford and Canna Woodford each gained one. The Utica and Mississippian each lost one, and the Arcoma Woodford overshadows both of those with a three-rig decrease. That brings the basin total from eight to five. Yeesh. State-by-state state shows that Texas continues to lose rigs, as it is down two, with Ohio, Oklahoma, and Pennsylvania each down one. West Virginia is up big with four new rigs, which brings its total to 16. That is twice the total it had this time last year. Otherwise, New Mexico and North Dakota are up two and one rigs, respectively. The Gulf of Mexico saw no change, but what can you expect for hurricane season? A slow rig count that certainly seems to be shifting priorities away from Texas, but a plus one rig count nonetheless. Lastly, another masterfully written inventory report from Thirsty Thursday's newest author, Nick Fernhout. As always, listening to the report is a fine way to consume the information, though we encourage you to see those great illustrations and graphics that he has chosen to include to enhance your understanding. It really just paints the perfect picture with all the data. I strongly urge you to go check that out on www.rarepetro.com. Otherwise, here's the bare bones rundown. Modest builds were expected by both the EIA and API this week. However, what was reported by each organization was quite different. Starting with the EIA, we see they were a little generous in their forecasted build of nearly half a million barrels, while they reported a draw of nearly a quarter million barrels. The API, on the other hand, forecasted a similar number, but 
not only reported a build rather than a draw, but quite a sizable one at that. Whether the EIA and API report dissimilar numbers, they seem to be making up for it in the coming few weeks so that everyone balances out. That may be something to consider as we await future report actuals. Three things in life are certain. Death, taxes, and the SPR will release another 1 million barrels of oil per day. Isn't that how the idiom goes? Well, until the end of October, it is. Further and further down falls the level of oil in the SPR. We are now down to just 422 million barrels of oil. It's about this time that you start to ask yourself, how low can we go? When do we stop? Isn't there a limit on how much can be taken out? Well, stay tuned. There may just be a periodical shortly that will answer all of your burning questions. The pattern of no more than three weeks in a row of either draws or builds continues to hold. Looks like Nick was just barely correct on his draw prediction from last week, but it was a draw. Will we see a larger draw as is typical following a slight draw? Who knows? Check back next week and we'll see. With Hurricane Ian wreaking havoc in Florida, odds are demand will increase and we'll see a draw next week. U.S. crude stock levels are continuing to level out following a two to three week stretch of climbing. Crude stock is feeling pressure from both sides as supply becomes tighter due to the loss of production thanks to the hurricane and demand falls on the back of subsequent higher prices. Gasoline inventories drew down this week. It's beautiful to see basic laws of economics at play. Gas prices in California have soared to $6.181 on average. Meanwhile, Mississippi is still enjoying those low, low prices of $3.063 on average. Unplanned outages at refineries in California are causing a slight shortage, driving gasoline costs way up in the state. Dissolute and propane stock diverge this week as dissolutes take a dive and propane continues to climb, although it's a little bit faster than usual. A mix of refinery holdups and a transportation sector that's heating up is likely responsible for driving the distillate's inventory downward. Overproduction of propane to be sent to Europe, which is reaching maximum capacity, is to blame for increased stock levels within the country. Such high stock levels are sure to bring prices down in the coming months. And with that, we have wrapped up our weekly look into statistics. Thank you again for another great report, Nick. Now we have to look at some current events, starting with the biggest event of last week, the failure of the Nord Stream system. That's right, I say system, because it wasn't just one pipeline affected. Last Tuesday, the Danish and Swedish detected leaks in both pipelines. These weren't simple leaks, but ones described as, quote, unprecedented, end quote, by the operator Nord Stream AG. While the initial cause of the explosion was unknown, everyone was quick to scream, sabotage. Now that the leak has stopped, it is clear that several hundred pounds of explosives were used to damage the pipelines, but no one is certain who did it. Right now, there are two prime culprits, the U.S. and Russia. Russia claimed that the U.S. has lots to gain from destroying infrastructure like this to secure a larger market share of gas sales. Russia accused the U.S. of switching from sanctions to terror attacks in order to destroy European energy infrastructure. Is that possible? It sure is, and it wouldn't be the most egregious operation carried out by the U.S. in the name of energy. But it is also possible that Russia is using this as an opportunity to shift attention away from parcel annexation of key Ukrainian territories. That was a claim postulated by President Biden, which I also consider to be just as plausible as Russia's working theory. While there are dozens of other players that could have been involved, there are no clear answers, and Russia's claim it will do its best to get the pipeline up and running by the 26th of this month. Since then, 
Norway has begun to post soldiers to protect energy infrastructure in the area. They expected more sabotage and did this in order to free up police resources that have been watching since the initial attack. They did not release much more details in the fact that they were running routine patrols due to the sensitive nature of the operation, though both Denmark and Sweden disclosed that the explosions measured at a 2.3 and a 2.1 on their Richter scales, which is equivalent to a minor earthquake that could shake unstable objects. That's a big explosion. But even if the accusations about the U.S. securing a larger market share as a gas seller are correct, it doesn't quite matter since China is still finding a way to come out on top. That's right. The market wildcard has reportedly been selling U.S. LNG to Europe for big profits. Even though China signed these long-term contracts months in advance, they continue to sell excess inventories to Europe since their domestic demand is comparatively much weaker at home. Last year, China received 133 vessels of U.S. LNG in the first eight months of the year, but this year, only 19 have been recorded for the same time period. It seems that China is exercising the classic buy-low, sell-high strategy and was able to fill their gas reserves much earlier than the rest of the world. Not only that, but consider just how much money they are saving by buying Russia's LNG to save for themselves or turn around and sell once again. Pretty hard to determine where natural gas came from, and I doubt... Europe wants to look a gift horse in the mouth. Not that it's so much of a gift, but really gas that they need at an exorbitant price. Things aren't looking totally bleak for Europe, as they have been able to fill up 88.4% of their gas storage, meaning that experts expect gas spot prices in those markets to fall in coming months. While it is certainly possible that their prediction is correct, there are dozens of other factors that would suggest otherwise. What are those factors, you ask? Well, You'll just have to frack that follow button and let Rare Petro paint you a broader picture. As Nick mentioned in Thirsty Thursday, there are a few periodicals just around the corner. We just released an episode of Basin Breakdown, and you can always count on me to get out an episode of Monday Madness every Monday. There are plenty of opportunities to learn, and we do the hard work for you. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care everybody. 